And you may well ask, well, why spend so much time, seven weeks, on Jesus' words on the cross? Surely it would be more important to focus on Jesus' teaching. Well, Adam Hamilton, in his book, Last Words, gives three reasons why these words are significant and important. The first is the sheer effort that Jesus would have gone through to say them. Because, you see, crucifixion is death by slow asphyxiation. Because all the weight of your body is on your arms and you cannot breathe. And so to say something, you would have to haul yourself up using those nails through your hands and put all your weight through the nail in your feet to be able to speak. Jesus put all that effort into these sayings. The second one is that we believe that Jesus came to reveal God and God's word to us. And it's at this significant and important time, this time when Jesus is facing the worst of our inhumanity, where he is suffering and facing death, that we actually want to hear what the revelation of God is. And of course, the third is that the gospel writers themselves believed it was really important that we hear what Jesus had to say on the cross. Hamilton says, every saying tells us something important about Jesus. And together they offer a powerful and, um, excuse me, <laughs> a powerful and moving picture of what was on the heart and mind of Jesus at his death. And because of that, I believe that they reveal to us the very heart and nature of God. Um, they reveal to us the very heart of the gospel what Jesus Christ is doing on the cross and his good news for the world. And they reveal to us and speak to us on the very heart of the human condition. So with those things in mind, let's now turn and look at Jesus saying, recorded in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And note that Jesus' first saying on the cross is a prayer. It's his response to his rejection by his people, the injustice that he has faced, the brutality of his treatment, the indignities thrown at him from all sides, the being condemned to and in the midst of the horrific reality of this slow, torturous death. For three years he had spoken and taught the people. Now we simply overhear what is intimate relationship within the Trinity. It's at the heart of the Godhead. And what it reveals is at the heart of the Godhead. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, I was involved in instigating and running Going Further, which was a week-long National Presbyterian retreat for young adults. It doesn't carry on anymore. But one year, we had Australian theologian Jason Goronsky as the keynote speaker. He was a lecturer at KCML, that's the Knox Centre for Ministry and Leadership, the Presbyterian Seminary. And Jason spoke about the fact that it was not in creation that we can see God's goodness. Because you just have to look at things like natural disasters. It makes us wonder, you know, creation cannot 
reveal to us the goodness of God. Neither can we see God's goodness in his sovereign moving in history because God moves even through those uh, bloody rise and fall of empires. But it's only, he said, ultimately at the cross that God's goodness is revealed to us. And, you know, I really struggled with that. I, you know, I just thought, no, that, that can't be the, the case. And I've wrestled with it and often think about it ever since. And, and when I came to preparing the sermon and, and read, you know, the first one that we're looking at, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. I thought, yeah, here we glimpse the goodness of God. The goodness of God, the very heart of God. Father, forgive them, revealed in Jesus Christ. Here in this prayer, we see what William Willimont calls God's eternal search to love us. We see a God who responds with grace and love towards us, even when we fling the worst of our inhumanity at him. It's only God who can forgive. And here in this heart-to-heart -heart within the Trinity, between God the Father and God the Son, we see that expressed in God's preemptive forgiveness. God is aware that because of his holiness and our sin, that the starting point for relationship is forgiveness. Um, normally, as humans, we would want people to be aware of what they had done wrong, feel contrition and suffer remorse before we'd even contemplate forgiving or even offer forgiveness. But the goodness of God is shown here, that even in our ignorance... God offers forgiveness. Even though we have rejected him, God offers us forgiveness. In Christ, God died to restore relationship with us and make forgiveness possible. Which leads us to, to realize that, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, is at the heart of the gospel, at the heart of what is happening at the cross. We first have to ask, of course, well, who is the them that Jesus is offering forgiveness to? Well, the immediate context is that Jesus had been crucified by Roman soldiers who uh, sat down and, and gambled for his clothes as he is praying this prayer. Jesus offers forgiveness to them. They know not what they do. And you can imagine that it's just another day in, uh, in, for an occupation force for them, putting down another revolt about, from another possible king and rival to Roman rule. You know, the innocence and the identity of the person on the cross and the justice of this killing is of no consequence to them. And you know, we still live with a mem living memory of soldiers who had used the defense, I was just following orders. I was just doing what I was told to hide the, uh, the worst of inhumanity in the Holocaust. The them is the crowd who stood and scorned and mocked, ignorant of the truth of their words. He could save others. The them extends to the Jewish religious leaders whose motivation was that it was better that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. Quite prophetic, really. But in another way, pathetic. Because it's political expediency. The them uh, extends to Herod, who said, even though I can find nothing wrong with this man, he gave in to the crowd. Cowardice. 
gave in to the crowd. The them extends to the crowd that was there, that were easily incited. And haven't we seen a crowd be easily incited this year already? They were incited to cry, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah, that forgiveness extends to all of them. And when we hear all of that, it is easy to see the them extends beyond those who were there to the whole of humanity. To extend to us. You know, a truth that's encapsulated in that old spiritual. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? There we are. Lost in our ignorance. There we are. We have all gone astray. There we are. We have done what we should not do. There we are. We have left undone the God calls us to do. There we are. We are in need of God's forgiveness. A forgiveness prayed for by Jesus on the cross. And won and offered by his death. Now, there are many theories of the atonement. That's ways of explaining and understanding how Jesus' death on the cross made our forgiveness possible. And one helpful image comes from Leviticus 16 that we had read from our Old Testament today. Where at Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish day of atonement, a sacrifice is made for the forgiveness of sin. The priest offering the sacrifice asks God to forgive the people. And then another goat is brought into the tent and the priest lays hands on it, symbolically transferring the sins of the people onto that goat. That's where we get our English word scapegoat from, by the way. It is then released into the wilderness and the symbolism that the sins of the people have been forgiven and they are seen no more. They've gone. In Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive, and his sacrifice we see him doing both the role of the priest and the sacrifice for forgiveness. And also, he is the scapegoat. He asks God to forgive, offers his life for our sin, and our sins are put upon him. And they are taken to the grave, and they are no more. Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive, shows us that first and foremost, our forgiveness starts with God. First and foremost, it's God's doing in Christ. First and foremost, it's nothing that we are able to do. Nothing that of who we are that we can be put right with God. It is God who forgives. It is God who opens the door for us to enter back into relationship. We don't deserve this. We cannot earn this. Nor can we do this for ourselves. God has done it for us in Christ. And we must receive the gift of forgiveness that he offers as we acknowledge our need for that forgiveness and we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. Well, the third thing that Jesus saying, uh, does is it speaks to the very heart of our human condition. As humans, we find it hard to forgive. In praying, Father, forgive, Jesus gives us an example to live by as well. We are supposed to overhear this prayer, and it models forgiveness for us even in the most difficult of situations. You know, Jesus could teach on forgive your brother not seven times, but 70 times seven, and maybe we'd hear his teaching, but here it's just so profound because we see it in action. Nailed to the cross, 
mocked, suffering. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I remember much-loved TV presenter Paul Holmes being speechless on one show, which didn't really happen that often. Uh, And it was when he was interviewing a uh, Tongan minister whose two grandchildren had been killed by a young Samoan man who, without a license, had stolen a car, rounded a corner too fast, mounted the curb, hit the young children, pinning them to a power pole. And it was at a time of heightened tension between the two island groups, Tongan and Samoan, in South Auckland. The Tongan minister had said, you know, the families have gathered together and been reconciled, and the young man is forgiven. It is as if it has never happened. And the minister and his family was going to go to the court and plead on the young man's behalf. You know, when you hear of such costly forgiveness, we glimpse the divine. Uh, It's a reflection of the Father forgive on the cross. Catholic scholar James Martin speaks of his friend Gian, whose sister and her small child had been murdered. The killer was in prison. He had experienced, he had expressed no remorse or any inkling that he was aware of the pain and hurt he had inflicted. And Gian knew for her to be healed, she needed to forgive. So she forgave him and wrote a letter to him telling him that she had done so. And the response was a letter in return where the killer expressed his remorse and grief at what he had done and the pain that he had caused to the family. See, forgiveness opens up the possibility of relationship and it opens up the possibility of change and transformation. Just like that preemptive Father forgive on the cross. And on a more day-to-day level, you know, you can't be married or have been married for a long time or have a really good long-term friendship without having to forgive. Right? Yeah. Now, there was this wonderful old cartoon series called Love Is, and it featured these two naked children, which shows you how old it is because that is just not acceptable anymore. You know, uh, but one of them said, Love Is, never having to say I'm sorry. But I'm sorry, that's wrong. Because love deepens and grows and becomes more real and deeper and richer when we are prepared to forgive and uh, to uh, ask for forgiveness. When we work at being reconciled to each other. And you know, it's hard to say, uh, and it sounds very hollow if we tell people, particularly survivors of such things as abuse, that they should forgive. And I don't think we should flippantly say that. You know, it's almost as if we, you could almost um, re-traumatise people by saying that to them. But there is truth here in that Jesus freely offers forgiveness to us. You know... He has the power to do that and does it. And we see in his death the very costly price that he was willing to pay for our forgiveness. Now in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, Father, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we can think that this is some sort of trade, some sort of condition of God's forgiveness for us. 
in a reflection on the Lord's Prayer by Adrian Plass, and I might have mentioned this before. He speaks of a friend who he was uh, having a drink with and telling about another person who had slighted him in public many times, who he would not forgive. And his friend said to him, I suppose now you'll have your problems having your sins forgiven. And Adrian was very upset by that, but, but thought about it, you know. But you know, it's not that we can earn God's forgiveness by forgiving. But it's when we know the greatness of God's forgiveness. And we see the example he shows with the saying on the cross that we are willing to forgive. Because we know how much we have been forgiven and what it cost God to forgive us. Even if we know that they knew exactly what they were doing all along. Forgiveness opens up the possibility for new life. Forgiveness is important. Hudson Smith is a renowned scholar on world religions. In a lecture he gave, he talked about the most noticeable notable features of each religion. With Islam, he said it was prayer. They pray five times a day. With uh, the Jewish faith, he said it was family. Family is the important. And he said with Christianity... It is forgiveness. And in Jesus' first saying on the cross, we see that. And Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Jesus reveals to us the goodness and grace that is at the heart of God. He shows us the heart of the gospel, that God deals with the problem of sin that separates us from him and from each other and is able to reconcile us and shows us the way to live forgiveness. Let's pray.